now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And we are back on the two guys at a mic show. Two consecutive weeks off of the air. Big Dog and a coach are back at it again. Great to be back. No vacation uh, during the two weeks. We're working at a basketball camp for a uh, couple of weeks. But great to be back in action here on the TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic show. The Big Dog and the coach at your service. All right up until 11 o'clock. We were gone for a couple of weeks, but producer extraordinaire David also was not. He was sitting in the chair. What the hell he was doing during this one hour, I'm not sure. We do a video. He didn't realize it, but we took some pictures. We'll analyze those later. But uh, David Olson is on the other side of the glass. A little bit of music, and we will kick this particular show off. Thank you very much, David Olson. It's nice to know during the two weeks off that our musical selections have not changed. You must not have gotten the memo. <laughs> Still waiting for the big dog to call him. By the way, before I go any further here and get into some of the things that happened during a somewhat sordid couple of weeks, I want to throw a shout-out to someone I don't even know. But I want to throw a shout-out to Kurt Lewandowski and all the Kurt Lewandowskis of the world. Went in, I stopped into the uh, grocery store right before coming into the show. And on the Dominix, I got a big sign in the window. Congratulations on 40 years. Kurt Lewandowski. I don't know, Kurt Lewandowski might be a pharmacist. He might be the assistant manager, might be a grocer, might be a bag boy, might be the guy pulling the carts. I don't know what he is, but 40 years. And again, I preface that I'm symbolizing. Kurt doesn't even know I'm talking about him right now. I might stop in the store afterwards and tell him to go our, to our award-winning TalkZone.com website and check out our uh, archives. But to all the Kurt Lewandowskis of the world, to all the mutters, the blue-collar people, the folks out there that don't get a lot of pub that stick with a job for 15 years, for 20 years, for 25, for 40 years, grinding away, not getting the big pub, Probably, in all likelihood, not getting the big bucks. But doing their job, going about it each and every day, giving a little bit of customer service. So, before I go further in the show, and I know David Olson's got some thoughts on the Chicago Bears, yada, yada, yada. I could care less right now about NFL football. But I did want to throw a shout-out to Kurt Lewandowski and all the people out there that are working, putting the time in, doing a great job. Thank you very much. Show's over. Thanks for coming, everybody. It's been a great two weeks. I'm taking two more weeks off after this. Uh, 888, is our phone number changed, Dave? Same number? Same number. God bless. 888-463-6748. I won't say I missed the show over the couple of weeks, but my wife would tell me I'd wake up like at various times in the middle of the night. Right in the middle of the night. 888-463-6748. The Bears, I can't believe She said, honey, go back to sleep. So it was, it was like it got better over the two weeks, but the first week it was not uh, particularly comforting. But, uh, ah, so 888-463-6748. You can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Lots of sports to catch up on. I think when I last left, David, we were still in the Olympic mode. We were. Way yeah, beyond we, that. You're now. like right in the middle of it. Yeah. We, we have moved on. 
We have moved on. Michael Phelps is a distant memory. Actually, he's not a distant memory. Apparently, there's some controversy with Michael Phelps in a bathtub or something like that. There's some picture? Yeah, he did a photo session with uh, Annie Leibovitz. And, Annie Leibovitz. And it's for it's for like luggage or something like that. It's, so, an, it's an advertising campaign. Uh, and the photos got leaked early, and under Olympic rules, you can't do any like advertising okay. until you're like two or three weeks out from the games. Uh-oh. So this was done before. Yeah, the this games was done and before, then... but they weren't. Uh, the the uh-huh. ads weren't supposed to come out for another two or three weeks. Okay. Well, I understand that rule would apply to new Olympians, but what about someone like Michael F- who's already done commercials? So now that it's a new Olympic Games, at a certain point, he's not allowed to do anything until a week after. Yeah, two or three weeks after. Rather odd. Rather odd. But I, th- I said we were done with Michael Phelps. Apparently we aren't. So we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have our investigative crew uh, follow that particular controversy. But lots of sports to catch up on. And, yes, uh, you know, I somewhat half-heartedly said I'm not ready for NFL football just yet. High school football, college football. I'm getting the buzz for Saturday afternoon college football right now. Getting excited for that, no doubt about it. But NFL football just has not sunk in yet. I'll tell you one thing, NFL exhibition football, brutal. Brutal. I think most people, it's weird because most of us are all excited for football. And the weather, at least here in the Chicago area, you know, this past weekend, you know, you started to feel just that little bit of tint of coolness in the morning. Awesome. An indicator that the great autumnal season and the football season is near upon us. But uh, the exhibition NFL football. It's just so insignificant. That's the number one thing that sticks out. Insignificant. But, uh, you know, what does it mean? And we, you know, we used to put a lot more stock into it. I know they're talking about moving it down to two games. I would be all for that. I think 98% of the viewing electorate would be, uh, all for that as well. The only people that aren't all for that is the owners who get full pay. You got to pay full price for the exhibition tickets. At any rate, the Bears uh, did look good. We'll talk about that. Chicago Bear fans out there, you want to chime in? We'll talk a little uh, NFL football and the beloved Bear. They beat the Washington Redskins 33-31, completely opposite. I haven't watched much of either of the games, to be honest with you. But I've followed it, watched some highlights and stuff. I can talk, uh, you know, one thing you learn after doing many years of the Internet or the um, sports talk radio is you learn to, uh, you know, you can BS your way through it and learn to be knowledgeable even when you're not not that knowledgeable. Probably shouldn't be admitting that on the air, but, you know, I, I take that from uh, Bob Greenberg. I don't take it, but I pick some of the nuances anyways from uh, Bob Greenberg, who was a long-time, long-time reporter. I think it happened right before we left, and Bob uh, passed away. He had had many illnesses, and Bob was a long-time Chicago reporter. He had moved to Virginia, I think, the last two years. His health had been fairly frail the last four or five years, but he was a blind Reporter, a blind sports reporter, never saw the game blind since birth. So as opposed to someone who, you know, got blind and had seen football or had seen baseball, maybe you could picture it. Here's someone who's blind at birth, never really. I would love to go inside the brain and actually see what he saw. But I was always so impressed how even though he actually never saw the game, he heard comments and would listen on radio. He talked amazingly intelligently about the game. And again, it's not something I want to depend on, but you know, you can't watch each and every game. And I have learned over the years through reading, watching highlights and listening, you can pick up things that at least attempt 
to talk somewhat intelligently. At least that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. So you will talk some bear football, 888-463-6748. Hopefully the big dog will be checking in. We do not know the whereabouts of Joel Radwanski, so hopefully we'll be hearing from him. Again, phone lines open at 888-463-6748. And uh, apparently, well, I was going to say the bear offense was for nil in game one, but that's, you know, Jay Cutler and a lot of the starters did not play. But apparently, and David Olson, you uh, were quite excited about it this morning. The Bear offense started the show a little bit, a little, hopefully, hopefully, preview of coming attractions. And I think it started right from the get-go that I hear the very first play of the game, Cutler, back to pass 30-some yards to a... 40-some yards. Wow. Yeah. First play. Yeah, his first play. First play. Got to love that. Got to love that. Maybe Mike Tice making a statement. Mike Tice making a statement. I remember I used to coach my son's fourth grade flag football team, and we had every game. We don't play like seven games. Every game, first play of the game, fake handoff through the bomb. Eh, you know, gotta gotta keep the other team guessing. There were no scouting reports there. There's no film in flag football. Kids loved it. Other team got freaked out by it, and you know, two or three times actually it worked. So uh, I like the fact that Mike Tice, our new offensive coordinator, coming out throwing first time with Jay Cutler. They look good. Brandon Marshall, the connection, hopefully going to be there. Uh, and apparently Alshon Jeffrey, who is the rookie out of, where the heck is he at, South Carolina? See, if the big dog were here, he'd be able to help me on that. But Alshon Jeffrey looking awfully good, too. So we got two big, sure-handed receivers now, one young, one a veteran. And then you combine it with Devin Hester. And you throw in a little bit of Earl Bennett. Look for a good season from Earl Bennett. Don't forget my guy, Dane Sonsenbacher who I had a very strange and uncomfortable man crush on, I think, in late November of last year. Only lasted for about a week, but Dane Sonsenbacher was my guy. And then, uh, and I haven't seen him play, but apparently Eric Weems making a play for it. So uh, Bears all of a sudden some depth at wide receiver. Who knows? Johnny Knox comes back and gives you even another little bit of a threat. So we got some play toys to work with in the Chicago Bear offense. We got some play toys going for Michael Tice. And is it Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator? No, Jeremy Bates. Yeah, Jason Garrett's with Dallas. Jeremy Bates, our new offensive coordinator, who, of course, was the quarterback coach for Jay Cutler back in his Denver Bronco day, too. So uh, looking good. Looking good. The one weird thing, I heard Eric Weems is uh, doing pretty well, and he was with the Atlanta Falcons last year on kickoff and putt returns. And, um, you know, that's that's good. It's nice to have depth there, too. But I'm hearing some talk that, oh, good, now Devin Hester can concentrate on receiving. They can give up some of his kick and punt returning duties. Well, some of is okay. But, again, if he starts concentrating on receiving and very little bit on the kick and punt returning, you know, this is a, a, an age-old question here in Chicago Bear football, at least the last three, four, five years. But, you know, to me, just as a sideline here, it's not a critical issue right now, Devin Hester. One of the greatest kickoff and punt return guys in NFL history. And he didn't do it just for the first two years. Remember the Bears kind of cooled him off for a year or two? Tried to make him a wide receiver. What impressed me was the last couple of years, they put him back at kick returner, back at punt returner, and he continues to excel. I thought it was going to be kind of a, you know, we've seen guys. Who was the Kansas City uh, real small kick returner who was sensational for a couple of years, and then we never heard from him again? I think he's with the Chiefs. So I thought that might have been the case for uh, Devin Hester. But no, he came back the last couple of years and did it again 
which, you know, proved to be, in my mind, he absolutely, in, in my days of watching football, he's probably the best I've ever seen. And to take him out of that spot in the prime of his career, I don't understand that. Use him as a wide receiver, that's fine. But you have to at least play him sometimes back in the backfield. Who's it? Earl, was it? Dante Hall. There you go. Who was he good? But you haven't heard of Dante Hall in a couple of years. It only lasted for a couple of years, but Dante Hall, catch me if you can. About 5'6", well, 160. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll end up using Hester the way I think he can really be utilized, you know, as a third or fourth wide receiver. Yep. The threat out of nowhere, because you know, you get him in the open field, he's gone. Yep. You know, and and, and hopefully, hopefully that's gonna be, they're gonna be able to use him that way this year. It's amazing when you pick up one guy, Brandon Marshall, a number one. This can happen to a pitching staff too. And we talked about it before on the show, but one guy can make such a difference because now all of a sudden you pick up Brandon Marshall, a clear number one star receiver. Okay. Now all of a sudden everybody else. Is so much better. Without Brandon Marshall, you know, Devin Hester and Earl Bennett have to share the number one duties, and you're thinking, oh, that's not good. I mean, they're okay, but that's below average for the NFL. But all of a sudden, you got Brandon Marshall out there. Now, Devin Hester becomes a third weapon, very dangerous at that particular spot. Earl Bennett becomes the complimentary receiver, the Luol Dang, next to a Derrick Rose, if you will. Makes him a lot more dangerous, makes our tight end a lot more dangerous. So one guy can do that's the same thing with a pitching staff in baseball. You pick up a star, number one pitcher, all of a sudden your number one who was who was an average number one becomes your number two and you're really strong. And your number two guys, your three, you're strong there. It's really in some kind of weird way, picking up one guy, it strengthens all four positions. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The coach back in the saddle after a two week hiatus. I'm not sure what a hiatus is, but uh was off for two weeks working a basketball camp. Great to be back in the saddle. Uh, noticed there was uh, no interior decorating here at the Talk Zone Executive Office. The same lovely decor. Actually, it's not a bad decor. A little maroon, a little black. Still got the TVs working. The computers are working. Producer David Olson looking uh, well-groomed as per always. Yes, sir. Another guy we got to talk about before we move on from the Bears is Michael Bush. Inside the 10-yard line. Apparently he did Sunday what exactly what or Saturday night it was exactly what we expected exactly him put the ball in the end zone to do, yeah, from yeah. short distance. Now how did Matt Forte play? Um, I'd have to I'd have to look that up. I'd have to look that up. I didn't, he didn't play too much. Mm-hmm. All right, but Michael Bush, we got a guy uh, inside the ten, inside the five, near the goal line that can score. I hope they don't just use him there. Because Michael Bush pretty good running back, you know, at the 45-yard line as well. You've got two good running backs, and I might be the only guy in Chicago. I'm still a Khalil Bell fan. I know he had the fumble problems, but I think everybody is so... The picture of the fumbles is overtaking some of the film of his run. That guy's not a bad running back. He actually, if he can hang out of the football, which I think he will. I'm predicting, and you heard it here first and probably last... The one of your surprises this year for the Chicago Bears is going to be my guy, Khalil Bell, the third running back. He's battling for a roster spot. I could be completely wrong. He might, he might not even make the Bears. But please don't forget about uh, Khalil Bell, especially if Matt Forte you know, bumps off a little bit. But hopefully they'll use Michael Bush not just at the goal line, but in the uh, other part of the field. You can't have enough depth at running back. So uh, that's good. But he looked pretty good, David. He's got that nose for the end zone. Tough, hard Absolutely. to bring. A big, strong guy, isn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, both he and uh, Forte were used sparingly. I mean, Khalil Bell got, uh, got the majority of the carries in the game. How did he obviously. do? Uh, Ten carries for 36 yards. Eh. Average three, uh, 3.6 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. They were really just they were airing it out. They were, they were, they were testing the passing game. Got to make something happen if you're Khalil Bell. Got to make something happen. It was, it was a good piece of advice and one that I had never consciously thought of. I was at a soccer clinic uh, of high school girls that were looking to play college, very high level. And some of the college coaches were talking to some of the players about the recruitment of college. And one of the coaches gave very good advice, which I passed on to my son, and I'll relay it here on the TalkZone.com. Again, the big dog and the coach. Big dog, we're waiting for him to call in. Back at it, two weeks off, talking sports and more here. Great to be back in the saddle here in the talk zone. Our phone lines are open if you want to check in. We'd love to hear from you. 888-463-6748, the phone number. But he basically said, uh, when your kid goes to a tryout or maybe a game that a scout is watching and mom or dad picks him up and they get in the car and you ask them, how did they, you know, how'd you play? I played okay. I did all right. And the college coach usually said, well, that usually means, I think he had experience with his own kid, that they didn't mess up. They didn't screw up, but they didn't do anything particularly unusual either. And his point was, if you are being scouted, or you're in a big game, or you are in a tryout situation, you can't just, hey, I did all right. You got to go in there and make a difference. Make something happen. He said it could be in basketball, it could be diving for a loose ball. It could be taking a couple of charges. It could be the most excited guy on the bench cheering for your teammate. But you have to do something. It doesn't have to be a 99-yard touchdown run. But do something to make a difference. Make a notice. You Ten carries, 36 yards, not going to get it done for my guy Khalil Bell, even though I didn't see it, so I'd have to analyze. He had the uh, second-line offensive line blocking for him as well. Speaking of the offensive line, I thought that was good good advice by the coach, though. Don't just, you know, and this could apply to a lot of things in your life. Don't get back in the car at the end of a day at work. How'd the day go, honey? Yeah, it went all right. Make a difference. Every day should be special. Do something each and every day that's going to, and it doesn't have to be on the grand OI scale. But don't just go through the motions. Make a difference. Do something unusual. Try something different. And I'm speaking this. I'm trying to convince myself because it's advice that I need as well. I thought it was good advice from that particular college coach. I pass it on. Uh, the offensive line for the Chicago Bears. Playing at least pretty well. And I guess a positive for the Bears is when they're not giving up sacks. There were no breakdowns from that left tackle spot. That seems to be the area of uh, most concern. But uh, hopefully the offensive line will hold out because it looks like the Bear offense is... Uh, Ready to go. That's the big question mark. And again, we preface it by saying exhibition football. Basically, you could wipe out the last five minutes of our conversation because it means nothing. It really doesn't. Totally, totally insignificant. David, how did um, Robert, with that as a preface, how did the rookie Robert Griffin III look? Just even forgetting the stats, was there a it factor with him, a little bit of specialness, or did he look moving from the college to the pro field? Like your typical rookie, lost a little bit. He got sacked a lot, and he was on the run a lot. So yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he he might be the future, but he's not the right now. Mm-hmm. All right, and the the flip side of that is the Chicago Bear pass rush. 
I heard my guy Israeli Adonage and uh, Julius Peppers and company putting some pressure on the quarterback. Good oh, to yeah, see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good to see. We've got what, like defensive tackles. Now, Steven Paella injured. I think we got like five guys rotating at that defensive line spot. Henry Melton, Matt Toena. There's a couple of new guys. I think, is it Nick Davis? But, uh, they're trying out a bunch of guys in that defensive tackle spot. So kind of cool to talk about next Friday. Next Friday, round three of the exhibition season. Won't see much in round four, game four. So, uh, this might be the most interesting and, it's like being the top checkers player in Canada. The most interesting of the four exhibition games will be the game, I think it's Friday night against the New York Giants. I'm not sure if that's home or away, but they do play the Giants on Friday. So uh, we'll see. Uh, probably most interesting to watch in that game will be our offensive line against probably the best overall pass rushing team in the NFL. So the concerns on Chris Williams and, Lance Lewis and Jamarcus Webb and company will come right to the forefront in exhibition game number three. So we'll see uh, how well they can block for Jay Cutler in that game. But the Chicago Bear football off and running NFL exhibition season halfway through. Woo! Halfway through the exhibition season. Wow, what a watershed mark. We got a lot of baseball to talk about, too. That should be uh, interesting. Cubs, White Sox, and, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the dog days right now. When I say the dog days... As far as the pennant races, kind of we're in the depth of August. But when you come out of August, and even at the end of August, all of a sudden it's like a horse race. You start coming around the turn, and you do start making the stretch run. And that's when MLB can get interesting. Start of the season is fun. You know, up until the All-Star break, we're all kind of into baseball because it's pretty much the only sport around. After the All-Star break, especially this year, the Olympics hit. You get the football conversation, the last, and maybe it's just me, I don't think so, but for most of the fans out there, the last three weeks, the last month, baseball's kind of been in the great abyss. But we're coming out. We're coming out, and I think uh, not only who's going to win the division, but most interesting is going to be the wild card standings. And I took a quick look this morning uh, at my guys, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm hoping for the Pirates to somehow find a way. And they're, uh, I think, tied with, I want to say Atlanta, without looking it up here. Tied with Atlanta and the wild card. And don't forget, folks, don't forget this year two teams are going to make it. I'm not sure if I like it. I like two teams making it. But, boy, all that excitement in the stretch run, all that buildup, and then you play one game, and it's just going to be weird for one team to celebrate. You know, Hopefully they're not pouring champagne over themselves, making the wild card, and then one day later it's all over. That's a little weird. At least if you had two out of three, three out of five, there's something to celebrate. You're in a legitimate playoff. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I think, you know, taking two teams is going to keep more teams interested, more possibilities. But I do think there's going to be a big letdown after that one-and-done game for at least one of the teams. Something new this year, but we'll uh, we'll see how it works out. 888-463-6748, the phone number. By the way, David, one team that... And I, I kind of saw it coming, but it, it happened pretty much in the, um, you know, during quiet time, during nap time, if you will. But the Cleveland Indians, I took a look at them to see if they're in the wild card. And actually, I, I, I discovered the Cleveland Indians by checking out the Kansas City Royals, who swept our beloved White Sox. And I'm looking, at how's Kansas City doing? They're ahead of Cleveland. Cleveland Indians have absolutely fallen off the map. Remember, it wasn't that long ago. 
maybe it was, that they were one of the, you know, the surprise teams of, of MLB. And we thought it was going to be the Indians and the Sox battling it to the end. And maybe the Tiger of Cleveland's now like they're behind KC. Yeah, yeah, it, it, things went Ooh. wrong in a big way for Cleveland. Wow. What happened to my guy, Shinshu Shushu? As Drupal Cabrera. He's a Cleveland Indian, right? Yeah. Man, very quiet. Again, I didn't hear about any, you know, 15-game losing streaks. or I think they just, it was like having a tooth pulled out slowly, sans Novocaine. They'd lose three out of five, and then, you know, four out of five. Four out of the next six, and two out of the next three, and four in a row. But Cleveland has fallen off the map. Kansas City Royals did sweep our uh, Chicago White Sox all three games over the weekend. A couple of them pretty competitive games, but the White Sox still maintaining, I think, a game and a half league. The Detroit Tigers not able to capture that magic just yet. They've shown signs of, remember, prior to the season starting. And, David, we'll take a quick break here in a couple of minutes here to uh, regarnish. We'll try to get a hold of the uh, the big dog. And, again, our phone lines are open, 888 463 6748 the phone number, but the Detroit Tigers, let us recall, at the start of the year, they were the popular vote to win it all, to win the championship. Started off slow, and then you thought they were starting to kick it in high gear, and they may still. They may still, but they've gotten a temporary fallback. Bottom line is the White Sox are slipping, and the Detroit Tigers have not been able to capture them. Still a game-and-a-half lead for the White Sox, despite getting swept. A lot of baseball still to come, and it could easily happen the Detroit Tigers uh, kick it into high gear last month of the season. In fact, I might predict that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. It is the big dog and the coach. We're still waiting for the big dog to check in. So right now, the coach flying solo. We've been off for two weeks, folks. Great to be back on the air live. We appreciate you sticking with us. We'll be back in just a bit if you want to check in. 888-463-6748. Back in one minute and 48 seconds. Back of the two guys at a mic show. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Other side of the glass. Coach flying solo right now. Phone lines are open. 888-463-6748. Talking sports and more. Lots to catch up on after a two-week, uh, not a vacation, but a two-week off the air. Great to be back on again here at the TalkZone.com. Your 24-7 stop for all of your top internet conversation sports and Otherwise, we had mentioned the uh, Chicago White Sox, the Cubs, still losing. I mean, they did pull off a win Saturday night. They're like, they're like uh, what, about two for the last ten? Struggling with the youngsters, not to be unexpected. And, boy, talk about struggling. you got to feel for uh, much malign, the word much malign in the dictionary. In the baseball dictionary, under picture Chris Volstead, 
might be the underlined parenthetical bolded words out much maligned. 24, I think he's near record now. He uh, might be an MLB record. 24 consecutive starts without a victory. Ouch! <laughs> 24 consecutive. And actually yesterday, a lot of the games he hasn't been too good. Let's face it, young man with a lot of potential. I think, is he the guy we traded Sean Marshall for? I keep forgetting. Hopefully it's not the guy we traded Tyler Colvin for. One of my favorite Cubs from last year. But at any rate, Chris Volstead, um, you know, a lot of potential. And yesterday he actually pitched one of his better games, but they, they didn't hit enough. Still hasn't got a victory. 24. Wow. Again, putting the capital M into much maligned. 24 consecutive starts without a victory. That's hitting the record books, folks, and that's not one that you uh, are particularly proud of. Let's hope they can get him a W next time out. Remember that happened a little bit with Ryan Dempster at the start of the year. I mean, he was pitching lights out. Nine, ten, eleven starts. I think he maybe had one bad start, and then they weren't just average. They were really good. Dempster, he was getting all-star candidate through mid-June. Some people were saying, obviously, you can't talk Cy Young Award in mid-June, but he was amongst the top five, ten pitchers in baseball in mid-June. He had zero wins. So it can happen. One of the most misleading uh, statistics at all. The win-loss stat. All statistics are not all, almost all. I always say there's three kind of lies. Lies, white lies, and statistics. And I say that to my conservative brethren out there who keep emailing me with all of their fine statistics. We may have to get into the uh, nomination of Paul Ryan, which helped, which uh, happened while we were off the air too, David Olson. But just finishing out the cup thought, the frustration for Chris Volstead looks like, uh, speaking of frustration, the two youngsters they brought up while I was gone, Josh Vitters, Brett Jackson, we've heard speaking on behalf of uh, the Cub fans for many years about two of our better young potential, potential player, Brett Jackson. And and I remember Joel's famous quote, is potential is a French word for it doesn't mean a damn yet. Haven't done a damn thing. But center fielder Brett Jackson, third baseman Josh Vitters, uh, struggling over the first couple of weeks, but both of them, particularly Brett Jackson, starting to come out of that. And I do like the fact that there's been uh, limited pressure on them, Dale Swaim, maybe with directions from above, maybe uh, with directions from Cloud Theo up above. You know, they're they're just letting Brett Jackson play. I think he struck out something like 16 of the first 28 at-bats. But the kid had a pretty good weekend against the Cincinnati Reds. He started to look like the potential they thought. I think that's the right idea. Don't put too much pressure on the guy. Don't build it up too much. Don't start changing the swing. You got to do that. You got to do that. Let him naturally adjust to major league pitching. At any rate, Brett uh, Jackson starting to hit the ball a little bit. Josh Vitters, not so much. But both of them are going to get plenty of PT uh, down the road. But the bottom line is Cubs continue to lose and not a whole lot of interest with the game. Here, here's an indication how bad things have come. David, I saw today that uh, they're playing the Milwaukee Brewers. And I went to look at the pitching matchup. You know, I figured Joel would be on the show. we do the whole Ron saying, Ron, Ronnie, tell me about the Milwaukee pitcher. Well, I saw the pitching matchup. It's Justin Germano versus Mark Rogers. Here's how bad things have gone for me and a lot of Cub fans. I had to ask which one is the Cub pitcher. <laughs> I think it's Germano. But that I, I can't recall that happening to me. I know they brought up young pitchers, but I'm usually aware of who they brought up. 
and I'm blaming myself and lack of following more than the Chicago Cub, but it's it's part humorous and it's part tragic, uh, tragic comedy, if you will. But uh, yeah, Justin Germano against Mark Rogers. I had no idea which guy pits for the Brewers and who's pitching for the Cubs. I think it's Justin Germano, the youngster going for the Cubs. And by the way, I didn't see the game yesterday, but apparently a ninth inning. I don't recall I've ever seen this happen. Tie game. Sean Camp coming out to the mound. Carlos Marmol, not the closer. They bring in Camp in a tie game. Sean Camp's been, for the most part, excellent this year. First pitch, I think it was Xavier Paul. The very first pitch he throws, triple. Next pitch he throws, base hit. Ryan Hannigan, I believe the uh, young man's name. Game over. Two pitches. Game over. Two consecutive batters. It's happened before, but it doesn't happen that often. Did not see it live, but uh, wow. Sean Camp throws eight warm-up pitches, throws about 30 warm-up pitches in the bullpen, comes out and throws two pitches in the game, game over, triple and single. Cincinnati Reds knock off the Cubs 5-4. to 888-463-6748, the phone number. Coach flying solo right now. We'll talk MLB uh, baseball as we come down the stretch here late August and through September. Again, follow division races and some of those wild car standings. Should be pretty exciting as well. So we'll definitely get into the baseball. But uh got to tell you, the uh, football buzz is getting a little bit higher all the time. And again, and I know a lot of people are into the NFL thing, you know, the, the fantasy football drafts. A lot of them have been held already. I don't get into that. Maybe that's part of the reason I haven't caught the... NFL football buzz yet, but I'm totally, totally fired up for football, in particular college football. Every little article that comes out, I'm snarfing it down, devouring it slowly but deliciously. Today on the back of the Chicago Tribune, the Michigan State Spartans were featured. And their new quarterback, Andrew Maxwell, just getting me excited reading about it. The guy who's been a backup for Kirk Cousins for three years. The junior finally gets his chance. It's the Andrew Maxwell era at Michigan State, and they got uh, Le'Veon Bell back at running back. Just reading about the college football and some of the games coming up, some of the rivalries, very excited for that. I don't think this weekend, I don't know, if David, if there's a way to check, we might get, do we get a little taste this weekend? I'm pretty sure the following weekend is when college football kicks off in high gear. I know high school football. High school football starts this weekend. So those of us that need the football fix, you want to go out to a high school game more than uh, more than welcome to do so. Nothing better. Nothing better than the Friday night football atmosphere of high school football, even though most of the schools aren't even in session yet. But I think college football, there might be a spattering. We'll check that out. But I think uh, largely it's going to be the following weekend. And the following weekend, are we at Labor Day weekend already? That's unbelievable. Not this yeah, weekend. No, next weekend is wow. Labor Day weekend. Holy mackerel. Summer flying by. By the way, speaking of summer, I did go to one of the great uh, Chicago traditions, which I missed for many, many years. But the last couple of years I've been there, went down to the Air and Water Show at Chicago. I think they estimated like 2 million people over the two days. And I've said it before on this show, and folks listening to this show all over the continental United States, and of course via the Internet in all seven Continents. We also hope uh, parts of Glen Allen and Naperville are able to catch the show. But the Chicago area lakefront in the summertime, second to none. It's unbelievable. On a day like yesterday, not too hot, not too cold, perfectly out of the oven. 
like a like a steak. You know when you've had a, a nice steak that's just cooked to perfection, and you bite into it and it's almost like butter soft. That's the way the day was yesterday. Absolutely perfectamenta. And David had mentioned, as many others do, ah, the hassle of that many people down at the lakefront. You know what? There might have been a million people yesterday, but it was spread out. We went down to Oak Street Beach, which is the second most crowded place. North Avenue Beach probably the most crowded, but Oak Street Beach was packed. But it was not uncomfortable. There was absolutely room to pull out the blanket, the towel, and sit and watch the show without feeling packed in. Very cool show, the Blue Angels. Wow. It's good stuff. Good stuff. By the way, the Air and Water Show might as well be named the Air Show. Because I have no idea. I didn't see any water activities outside of some overweight guy with a lot of back hair. Pretending like he was doing some, uh, you know, training for the Olympics or stuff. I think he just wanted to swim with a crowd watching. And then the lifeguard started chasing after him, explaining to him that he couldn't be in that part of the beach at that particular part of the town. But Oak Street Beach, I brought the binocs. Brought my heavy-duty binocs, Father's Day present from last year. There, there's a male machismo thing, by the way, with binoculars. I discovered. You know, and I don't know what the code numbers are, but there's different strengths of binocs. You know, and then there's different sizes of the binocs. But the, the guys, definitely, there was a little bit of comparing of the size of one's binoculars. <laughs> and I was right up there at the top, uh, David Olson, for once. I don't know if I got the 10, 50, 10. So you have the powerful binocs. I was able to watch the uh, the Blue Angels and some of the other airplanes, but I also then would swing the binoculars over into the Oak Street Beach and just scan the mass of humanity. All shapes and all sizes. Very few. You know, you watch commercials and you see all, you know, tends to be on TV and commercials, you know, good-looking people for the most part. And you see all the beautiful bodies in the TV commercials. Well, I will tell you. As I, as I scanned Oak Street Beach in my large binoculars, making every other guy around me jealous, that nine out of ten bodies should have uh, had some piece of clothing on. Not like the commercials, I can tell you that. You had to look very detail-oriented to pick out those that you might want to focus on. So Let that be a lesson for all the young kids out there. But at any rate, it was a great time, great show, and the uh, Blue Angels, all the... Uh, Airplanes out there. I guess there were some protesters out at North Avenue Beach. Eh. You know, protesting that, well, we're all out there celebrating these airplanes, which are the very symbolism of the military, of bombing, of killing innocent people. And I happen to be of that vent a little bit. I tend to be, when I say anti-military is the wrong word, but I think our defense spending in particular has gotten out of control, and I do think we need to pull back in some military areas. And I tend to be more democratic in that viewpoint, so I sympathize with that a little bit. But in something like the Air and Water Show, nah, you got to pick and choose. You got to pick and choose your times to protest. I couldn't sympathize with them too much. It was like the Chick Fil A thing. Did that happen while we were gone? I believe it did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, the owner speaks out. First of all, I mean, was the owner doing a press conference or did someone catch that comment? And then, boom, it's blasted out via the social media. He was doing an interview on a Christian talk yeah, show. Right. So, you know, so it's not like he came out and said, hey, I'm going to say this for everybody to hear. He made the comment. It was his opinion, but making it a big deal was not his doing. He did not tweet it to the world. 
It's the media that blew up the story. We can disagree with it. Now, if he would have said that we don't, you know, if I find out someone's gay, we don't hire them. Now, I'll join the protesters at Chick-fil-A. And by the way, at the uh, Halstead Street Festival that I went to, I don't know if we talked about that. I think I was gone for that. Woo! Wow. Halstead Street tending to be a gay area of Chicago, six-block festival, couple hundred thousand people over a two-day period. I went down. Again, phenomenal. People watching. Great music. Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John making an appearance. By the way, ABBA, I found out, and I, you know, I'm a closet ABBA fan. I can't say that too often because, uh, you know, most of the male friends, my wife thinks I'm crazy. It's not, it's not particularly cool at my age to be an ABBA friend. ABBA, huge with the gay males. Because there was an ABBA uh, tribute band. So I went over there, you know, to watch it, and it was about three or four different stages of bands in this festival. And the, you know, I didn't expect the ABBA band to be that particularly close. It was packed. Everybody was there like a half an hour before their show started. And I, <laughs> when Dancing Queen was the last song they did, so, you know, the beverages were flowing. It was about 5.30 on a warm Saturday afternoon. The uh, Nothing better than the afternoon buzz going on. But when Dancing Queen came on, the male gay crowd, absolutely classic. I wish I could have had a, 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 a film videotape of it. Absolutely classic. Let's just say the, uh, again, the gay, gay camaraderie out there, very, uh, very big in the world of ABBA. And I'm not the only one. Thank you very much. But, um, and I forgot how I even got on that particular festival. The hell was I talking about? 888-463-6748, the phone number. I can't even remember what I was talking about to get to that gay festival. Uh, Big Dog is, or uh, David is giving me the thumbs up that either means, A, we got to take a break. B, ESPN Radio is calling, offering me a higher paying job. Or C, the Big Dog, Joel Ranwanski, is finally calling, and I'm going to guess from experience it's not A and B, so I'm going to go with C. Is this or is this not? Joel, Radwanski, Big Dog, how are you? Uh, I've been better. Uh-oh. I can say it. Uh, I, I don't have much of a voice, Coach. I, I really can't explain the amount of screaming and yelling I've done at people over the last couple. <laughs> couple of How many renditions of Bear Down, Chicago Bear, did you lead this weekend? Uh, nine. Nine. <laughs> How many times I, did people chime in, like every time or just certain times? Oh, I just want to let you know that actually that's ten. I did nine tours in three days. I have no voice left over. Wow. Okay. Wow. The, I had F 14s during the, the Chicago yes. show flying we were, over my head. We were talking about the Air and Water show. How cool. Oh, it's freaking beautiful. You know, it's the only time in the, in the world, in my life, that I don't want to see uh, fighters, like, you know, yep. like jet fighters fly over my head as I'm trying to tell a story. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then last night at about three in the morning, uh, I ran into uh, 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 an ex high school principal and his son. <laughs> And uh, and I asked them if they were Chicago Bear fans. They said no, and they said no were Seahawks fans. And I let a rendition to bear down Chicago Bears as long as I could about seven hours ago. And other than that, no, I, I've I've done so nine tours and one just regular rendition, coach. Three o'clock in the morning, you met a high school friend. Didn't your mom ever tell you nothing good happens after eleven o'clock? Uh, no, yeah, no, no. She said nothing good happens after four a.m. <laughs> 
All right. Which kind of sucks because I normally wake up at 5 a.m. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah. So Be careful. Bad. You might wake up with a high school principal if you're out late, too partying too late. Oh, my goodness. Those high school principals can Woo. Wow. I always preferred the assistant principal. The principal themselves, a little bit too awe-inspiring. You know, there's a little bit, but the assistant principal, uh, that's the one I usually had a crush on, especially when they were female. But that's just me. All right, so 9 to Now, let me ask you, the people going out the last two weekends on the kayak tours, what percentage, how many of them were aware that the Blue Angels were going to be flying and it was Chicago's famous air and water show day? All of them. And, I, and, and Donnie told these people, you don't want to go during this weekend because you won't be able to hear anything during the tour. No, we want to go. We want to go. So we had to – I, I, I got to be quite honest with you. Uh, this past weekend was were the worst tours I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it has everything to do with the fact that nobody, uh, it was, it was strange. It was a very, very strange last couple of days. I'm not complaining. I got mm-hmm. paid. I worked my butt off. There's a reason why they paid me. I'm the highest paid tour guide in the city of Chicago. And it's because of weekends like this, coach. Mm-hmm. So well, I really, I'm not going to, I'm not mad at it. I'm just going to have to laugh that, uh, people want to come out to hear some guy tell a story when they're fighting against F14, which doesn't work. And now I sound like this. You sound, you sound like you got hit by an F-14. But let me let me ask you, without getting too corny or too over the top here, I'll go over the top. I just thought because I was out there both Saturday, a little bit of Saturday, and a significant part of Sunday down at the lakefront watching the air water show. And the, the weather, the lakefront, the people, it was just, it, it was, I got inspired to be part of the human race. And like I said, I'm going over the top here. But it was just, everything was perfect. It was beautiful. The behavior of the crowd, everybody was just mellow and taking it all in. Nobody was obnoxious. I was proud to be part of the human race this weekend, Big Dumb. That's really cool you would say that, because I used to say that after, like, Grateful Dead shows. <laughs> I understand, So You get, like, 150,000 people yep. in one area, Yep. and everybody's cool and mellow. Yeah, I understand. I know what you mean. This is Chicago. Chicago would handle big crowds and, and hanging out better than any city that I've ever been in. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a proud Chicagoan. Mm-hmm. I really mean that. Seriously, like, uh, if, if something crazy ever happened in the city of Chicago, God forbid, I really think that we would handle it as well as any city has ever handled yeah. like a disaster or something. I don't want to turn like the tables, but you're right, Coach. Chicagoans handle stuff well. Mm-hmm. You were um, grateful, Dad, if I recall correctly, uh, during parts of our radio career, you were also a huge Pearl Jam fan. Oh, my goodness, yes. I'm a gigantic Pearl Jam fan. That's my favorite band of all time, yes. Which which was more humanistically inspiring? One of the many questions I've asked in my radio career, this might be one of the more odd ones. Which was more inspiring, the Pearl Jam crowd or the Grateful Dead crowd? Uh, no, I, I got to, let's be honest, I'm not about to. I'm not about to sit here and, and do, do something <laughs> that's sacrilegious. The, the Pearl Jam crowd is a great crowd. It's, everybody's peaceful. They're nice to each other. Uh, they realize that all of us are in it together. But there's nothing like a Grateful Dead show. And if people sit there, they roll their eyes, and they're like, oh, they're a bunch of, they're a bunch of hippies. I want to remind everybody that hippies, are the biggest capitalists in the world. <laughs> they also, they are. No, you can, you can just, you can laugh at that, Coach. You don't understand if, if you don't know what I'm talking no, about. No, I'm, I'm laughing at the humor of the truth to it. Yeah, and and they are also the first person 
that is trying to sell you something. They're the first person that is trying to get over on you, and they're also the first person that is not trying to get a bad deal. They bump into you. They say, excuse me. Uh, if they're, if you're like, oh, I don't want to pay $2 for that beer you're selling, they don't get mad because they know somebody else will pay $2 for that beer you're selling. Yep. It is a great, great, for everybody that, like my friends that are like true, true capitalists, and they're as, they're as far right as possible, and then like, and they don't get the Grateful Dead, I'm like, you're missing out because they're, you're, they're that good of people that you, that you, that you missed out on. I do miss that 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 atmosphere, coach. That atmosphere of just chill, yeah. relax, and try to make as much money as you possibly can. Well put, my friend. Here. Well, well put. And we've missed uh, talking to you and hearing some of the great opinions and stories of the big dog, Joe Rodwanski. It's been a long couple of weeks off. We're glad to have you back in action, even with your voice working at about twenty four percent. But big dog, we missed you. I think I can speak for all of our fans out there and myself. It's been a long two weeks without uh, wisdom of the dog. You know, you know, I talk to people like, hey, you a football coach? No, I'm a tour guide. Just because of my voice, they just figure I'm a football coach, which I like. <laughs> it makes me feel good. Yeah, got that raspy voice. Uh, speaking of football, I've watched uh, close to zero of the first two exhibition games, watched some highlights, some tape, read up on it, heard some talk on it, so I'm fairly up on it. But to talk about that, and I made the statement in the beginning of the show that uh, NFL football, the exhibition's kind of killing it right now, but I'm totally, totally getting psyched. For college football, but your thoughts on the Bears and your excitement level for collegiate football, uh, Coach? I have read very little on the Bears, and this is the the worst year in terms of training camp that I've followed them. Yep. So I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest. I am excited. I've watched both first halves. I've not watched the second half of either of their preseason games, and uh, I don't get freaked out when they play horrible in games in preseason. I don't, uh, you know, I I, I don't uh, like the like, like, like the Candles when they play too great and think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I want to see improvement from game to game. The improvement, and especially in the blocking of their offensive line from game one to game two, Mike Tice is earning his pay. That team played so much better, specifically the offensive line in, in week number two, that uh, it, it, was, it was good to see as Chicago Bear fans. When you mess up one game, the next game, you got are they going to play better in that area they messed up? Well, they did. It was good to see, Coach. The, the Bears played well this past week, and as a Bear fan, I'm excited. Final score, 33 to 31. Uh, and again, I didn't see it. You watched Did the first half, but I guess the first play of the game, Mike Tice makes a statement, and when we remind you, Jay Cutler didn't play exhibition game one. So his first time with his first string offense, he has Cutler go fairly deep to Brandon Marshall, and it succeeds. Yeah, Not bad. It was it, it was good. A little double move. And I want to remind everybody of this. When you said that they threw the ball deep down the field, do you know what step drop that Jay, Tuck, Jay Cutler took? No. Nope. A, a three-step drop. One, two, three, unloads the ball, throws the fade up the sideline. Okay, maybe the fade up the sideline isn't the most, uh, how you say it, you're going to convert that a lot. You won't. But a three-step drop with the fade means this. You never get sacked and you don't get intercepted. Well, I like that play. Yeah. It's a really, really good play, Coach. There's a little bit of different defense of Mike Martz. The fade up the sideline is a lot more effective when you're throwing it up to the fade of a six foot five inch guy as opposed to a five foot eleven inch guy. So no, 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 no. You're exactly right. Yeah. And now that you have Brandon Marshall, every once in a while 
you can run a play that isn't highly, it doesn't work at a huge percentage, but it never gets sacked, it never gets intercepted. That's a good play because at worst it's second and ten, and this team should be good enough to figure out second and ten if they need to, Coach. I mean, there's, I, I just don't want this team in bad situations. They're a good enough team not to be risky, not to take way too many chances. Uh, so do plays like, hey, let's just throw it up in the air 35 yards down the field to that massive wide receiver we have. And if he's in one-on-one coverage, he has a chance to pick it, uh, like to get it out of the air. It's a good play, coach. Not consistently, but like once a half. I really like that play. And it'll, and it'll work once a game if they do that. It's awesome. The ex-tight end and a linebacker for Mac Murray College back in the day, and sadly the day was uh, back a few years ago. Joel Redwanski joining us here in the Two Guys at a Mike Show. Bear fans out there, you got some questions, some thoughts, positive, negative, or anything in the vast in between for the big dog. Give us a call at 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. Open phone lines. Briefly talking some uh, Chicago Bear football here. Apparently the offensive line did okay, big dog. And uh, David also was talking earlier in the show. I didn't see him, but Michael Bush looked like he might be the answer to that power. Second pack that the Bears need. Uh, yeah, you know how I've talked all offseason. I love the acquisition. Matt Forte is a top running back in every single category when it comes to what running backs should do except for short distance running. And I, I love because that addition to Michael Bush because he's great as a short yardage runner. Coach, you just saw the swivel hips this guy had. Oh my God, he was making people miss. Forget the first two times he had the ball, uh, one yard line, unbelievable blocking. David, you and me could have scored on that play. It wasn't that with his second carry, which was a touchdown. He made some linebacker look so bad and then made a DB look horrible. He made so, a DB fall down on a move and he scored a touchdown. So for the new Bear fans. At swivel hips. It was awesome. Because I haven't seen a lot of Michael Bush. I know he had a pretty good year last year, but it doesn't sound like he's the kind of guy that's just going to power into the line and drive through people. He actually is a big back, but he has moves. Well, well, I wouldn't. He's probably not going to do that a lot. What I just said to you, but the one thing that uh, that he does is he at least sees where the hole is, and then he runs to the hole. Mm-hmm. Where Matt Forte, uh, way too much in traffic, runs right into the back of a Chicago Bear blocker. Especially the first couple years. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's unreal how much he runs in the the blockers. Yeah. Where when he's in open field, he's one of the best. Oh my goodness, he's one of the best running backs. He's the best offensive player the Bears have had since Walter Payton. So mm-hmm. I'm not ripping Matt Forte when he I remember this, he, had, he had that good rookie year, but then years two and part of year three, it was like, and I know our offensive line was decimated. Uh, unfortunately, they were healthy, but they were still decimated even when they were healthy. But he wouldn't put any moves on. He would just like run right behind them and get tackled. And then midway through year three, Big Dog, I think he finally figured it out and showed his uh, speed and elusiveness. Yeah, and he's a great running back. He he really is a top five running back in the NFL. His weakness, though, the Bears have solved. You know, the Bears are a pretty deep team on a lot of their positions. Hopefully, they can figure out their offensive line. All right, dog, you joined us late today. We got a lot to catch up on. We'll uh, do that tomorrow. Take care of the voice. Hope you. And I'm glad you had a good. Uh, financial and enjoyable weekend it sounds like and a happy ramadan by the way to all of our muslim friends out there who uh, I, I fasted all last night really which was wrong i was supposed to fast during the day yeah yeah you got it mixed up but that can happen
That Why do they happen. keep moving Ramadan up every year? Yeah, do I'm they sure. have an 11-month calendar in, in, in Islam? Yeah, it's 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 uh, similar periods of time, but it, it can shift by uh, close to a month. So it's not always the same time. I can't really uh, hold up because yeah. uh, I'm celebrating some form of uh, a Chinese holiday right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but all I know is this: you get to eat a lot and drink a lot and sleep. That's my fourth holiday. Don't mention that you're rubbing it into all our Ramadan friends who can't uh, eat or drink, not even water. Not even water. It's brutal. All right, Big Dome, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Take care of the voice. Peace. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. Great to be back in action. We'll do it all week long. The coach, the Big Dome producer extraordinaire, David Olson, please join us. And those that did, we much, much appreciate it. Have a great day. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.